things. Now, I've, I've titled this Activate Your Faith. And uh, I was uh, one of the things that uh, I want to spend some time on is understanding the power of our words and confession, which you know I teach on that a lot. But you know, it's a principle that is, is throughout God's Word. It's amazing. He's telling Joshua, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to speak. Here's what you need to say. Um, and how important it was. That's what David had a hold of. You think about the psalmist David as king, as king. When he's reciting or, or creating these songs, he says, I will. He, sa he says all these things that he declares. You know, that's the thing about the songs that mom picked out. I didn't talk to her either. We didn't know. We, we, uh, I took her out last night, and then she ended up buying. But uh, I, after Kenzie sang the, um, sang the uh, national anthem at the wrestling tournament, we went, we went out to eat. And, and so we talked, but, but we didn't talk about this. We didn't talk about what we were doing. And, and so uh, the fact that the songs all fit along the same line as well. Because when you think about even the older hymns and the new modern song, they're talking about the declaration of our faith, how we're going to stand. That first song, I'm going to stand in the presence of my enemies, and my praise is going to be a roar. See, here's the thing. We are, what are we doing? We're making a declaration. We're making, using our words to project something. You know, it's amazing. The, the world has taken this concept. You know, you, you ask any athlete, what do, they, what do they say? Well, I can't do that. I'm just not strong enough. No. They say, I can. I'm going to. This is not, not that I'm just going to someday, but I can. They understand the power of positive words. You, you ask motivational speakers, man, Zig Ziglar, he was a Christian man, but he was preaching to or <laughs> speaking to a business world, a sales world. That was his deal. He was teaching people how to succeed. And I love that he, he, uh, he uh, Jason called it the playbook. Well, the, the word that I had was it's a, it's a manual for instruction manual for success. That's the word that the Lord gave me last night. It's an instruction manual for, for success. See, because that's, that's what we got to understand. God created us to succeed. He didn't create us to fail. He didn't create us to be under. He created us to be overcomers. In fact, Romans 8.37 says, more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now, He didn't create us to just do it on our own. And listen, all what, what the world calls as success isn't always success in God's eyes. We do have to understand that. I understand that you know having the uh, when when we were in uh, when we were in California with my brother, we uh, had opportunities to sit down with a man that, that was a multimillionaire. I don't know what he's worth. But he's worth a lot. I mean, he's he he has a, a, a tremendous amount of money. And <clears throat> success or failure wasn't based in his life. It isn't based on whether or not he has how much money he has. Now, that may be it for him, but for, as far as for me, I wasn't in awe of a, of a man who had a lot of money. He didn't come across that way. That, that He was very genuine, very nice. I, I really enjoyed the conversation with the guy, and I wouldn't have cared. I, it didn't change my opinion of him whether or not he had any money. That, that wasn't the point. But my point is is that sometimes we deem success just based on physical outward achievements, how many, you know, what you're driving, what you're living in, you know, what this or that or the other is, instead of the things that God values it on. But I do want you to understand, though, when we, when we follow God's playbook, whenever we allow the instruction manual of the Bible to be a, 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 the way that we live, it'll bring success in all these other areas. 
We'll have good relationships. We'll, we'll have things that, that uh, the ability to understand and achieve things. And, and it's amazing. But there is something about adding our faith with what God has spoken and how we believe and then the words that we say. And so putting those two together uh, is, is so, so important. And uh, I, wanna, I want us to understand also where confession is concerned or, or the word spoken is concerned. It, doesn't all, it also doesn't mean that we just God gives us a, a blank slate and we just can say anything and God's just going to do it. You know, you have to go to God's Word, understand what He's promised, understand how it works in our lives, and then obviously have our heart right, and God will bring those things into, uh, into works. He'll bring them together. Now, let's look at uh, Joshua chapter 1 again. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that uh, Jason didn't go, well, if you're going to preach it, how can I share it? He was excited. He goes, man, God is so, would you say, weird? And then you went, he goes, see, now, now here's, here's what I love about having Jason share and having Jared share and having different ones share because their perspective is different. He's an engineer. He thinks about things entirely different. His struggle was, it has been, he shared with me, it has been to overcome literal uh, thinking, being able to see it, and and the because his whole world has been, you got to prove it out. It's got to all be, me, I can just say, yeah, God said it. I believe it. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a salesman, more of a, more of a salesman type personality. Somebody who can, who just, you know, you're gonna. Who are the easiest people to sell? Salesmen. I mean, we can just, you know, it's like, yeah, that sounds great. I want one. It's easy for us. Somebody else is sitting back and going, ah, uh, they see all the. Might. That's why my, my, me and my wife are good balance. I started taking her with me when I trade for cars. Man, she's good. She's good. She'd sit back and go, huh? Uh -uh. I'm, the, I'm this good cop, bad cop kind of thing. You know, I'm just like, yeah, we want it. She's like, no, no, that's too much money. I'm like, why fight over it? It's just, you know, it's a hundred bucks. Go, go for it. She's like, uh, uh, uh. See, that's kind of the way different personalities see things a little bit different. But you know, he didn't hesitate. He said, God is so, and he changed weird to awesome. God is so awesome that he would speak to me the, the same message. See, how many times, do, if we could just see how God fits everything together in our lives. Look at this, and I'm going to start with just verse 7. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be, what? Successful wherever you go. It didn't say 80% of the time, 50% of the time, once in a while. He said everywhere you go. Well, that's whenever I said, okay, the law, for those back then, they were, they were following what they had. That was the written law of Moses. That was the Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of other stuff that they'd written down. And this was the things that you do in order to please God, to be right with God, to be successful where you go. But for us, we don't, we don't try to follow the written rules as per se, but we take the whole of it. it now we have 66 books. So, ooh, that's a lot. Man, I tell you what, I hate reading, reading owner's manuals. I, I hate, that's why I love to have Whitney helping me or have my wife take care of something or I talk to Jason or I talk to somebody else because if I can get by with, in technical computer stuff and all that, if I can get by without, Glenda did this for us for years, I'd say, you know, figure it out. Just tell me what needs to happen in the end. I don't really want to, I hate, I don't want to read the manual. 
But you know, it's different with the Word of God. See, th this, this does not intimidate me at all. I, I love this. This is a whole different, different deal because I see, I, I read it with a different ability. See, my brain does not, I, I, in school, I, I didn't study well. I took notes and stuff, but it, I, I learned how to overcome the, the things of being able to read and, and retain. But I was doing it all with my, with my brain. Well, my brain is like, I can be sitting there reading, and pretty soon I, I realize I'm down at the bottom of the page, and I've thought about, you know, team roping and, you know, my dog and the kids or something. I mean, my mind, my mind's wandered all over the place. But when I go to the Word of God, because I've learned to trust the leadership and the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm not reading it with my natural mind anymore alone. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to bring it alive, and it begins. To, it, I begin to understand it. Also, that's why it helps to have one of these study Bibles that has the little commentaries down here. It helps you explain things. It gives you the timeline of when it's wrote, written, who the author is, a little bit about them. It, it's, it makes it rich because now you begin to understand and it, and it ties together with other things. But, but again, for us, it's not the letter of the law, but the whole of the Bible. Meaning we want to understand who God is, how, he, how it applies to us today. And so we relate it that way. So I see 66 books to know the heart and will of God. That's what he's saying. He says, keep it before your eyes. Don't turn from it to the right or the left. That's what's so valuable about, about the instruction manual for life, for success, is that we can go to Proverbs and it'll tell us how to do business. It'll tell us how to have relationships, raise our kids, treat people, respond. We can, we can look at all these different places in the Bible, how God operated through a man or, or, or used a situation or a circumstance to teach and train. So he says, don't, don't, don't turn from it. Now, verse 8, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate in it day and night. Now, when I begin to think about that, keep it on his lips. In other words, he's saying, confess it continually. Speak that word continually. L let me ask you something. I if you're talking about the word of God always, in other words, it's your response. Oh, there's not enough money. Well, my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, that person did you wrong. The Bible says forgive. Not to hold bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. The Bible says, that, well, these people, they're talking about you. They're coming against you. They're trying to undercut you. They're trying to do this. The Lord fights my battle. You know, Psalms, uh, you, know, you, could, you could go through all these different ones. Oh, man, I mean, there's all these bombarding with fear and all this worry. How, is, how do you respond? God has not given me a spirit of fear, Second Timothy 1, 7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Sound mind. That means someone that thinks well, thinks right, has the right responses. You say, well, I'd never say the right thing. Isaiah 50, verse 4, God gives us the tongue of the learned that we'd speak a word in season to him who's weary. See, if we begin to put the word of God and plug those confessions in in place of, well, you know, well, the, the washing machine just broke down. Well, we just got ahead. Every time we get ahead, something tears. I'm just tired of this. Every time we just live and we just got a bunch of junk, you know, the, the, you know getting in your vehicle and the thing won't start. You piece of junk. Slap the dash. No, you ought to pet that thing. You're blessed. 
In Jesus' name. Blessed, why? Because you're, you know what? Everything that I own, I have declared is, is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ because it's mine. My cattle, wear my brand. Have my ear tag with my name in it. What is, that, what is important about that? That means they're God's property. They're blessed. My, my vehicles, my, our, our, our things, they've got our name on them. Kelly and Sue Cronkite, they are children of God who dedicated everything they have to God, and therefore the blessing of the Lord's upon them. I don't want to go around cursing my stuff. Now, every once in a while, I catch myself, you dumb, you know, you dumb cow, or you dumb horse, or you, you know, I, I, I do it, and I whoop, catch myself. No, Lord, I'm going to change that. Lord, forgive me for that, and I, I take authority over those words, and I cancel the assignment of those words. I change those things. See, it's hard now. You think about the way you talk about other things and other people. When we're saying the Word of God, we're saying good things continually, then we're sowing, we're sowing good seeds where our words are concerned, but we're keeping our, ourself in line with the promise of God, and that was the importance here. He said, keep it always on your lips, and then meditate in it. What is meditate in it? Now, that, the definition or the understanding of that word meditate is to mull over and mutter. So it doesn't just mean to think about it, but it says to say it. See, it, it'd be kind of like a, 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 us, the, the Jews did this. They would, they would kind of rock and speak the word, and they just kind of babble around. It, it sounded kind of, it sounds kind of odd, kind of, uh, but they were meditating the word. But there's a power in not only us thinking it, but us hearing ourselves say it. God designed us that way. You, you look at, if, if you realize the power of words from the very beginning, God created the world with words, but then he every, all the way through, He talks about how, how they should say what they should speak and how we should listen to what the Word of God says. You know, when Gideon, Gideon said, and you know, when the angel came to him and said, you, uh, you, hey, you mighty man of valor, or you mighty man of strength, you mighty warrior, uh, you know, he, he was talking about him. He said, man, God is going to use you greatly. And he said, well, I'm the least of the least. And, and God turned his, his words around and turned him around into becoming a mighty man who God said he was. But he had to begin to change. He, he did that with Abraham and Sarah when he changed their name. Took him from just being Abram to Abraham, which meant what God promised, a man, a father of multitudes. So those are some of the examples all the way through the Bible. You, you see little things throughout it, how they were taught to, to meditate on the Word of God, allow it. What, what's the other thing that meditation does? You know, the world's taken medi meditation and, you know, yoga or whatever, and, you know, they'll sit there and they'll think about all these positive things and they'll, they'll empty their mind. And I always tell people, you empty your mind or you better make sure you put something like the Word of God back in there. I'm not real high on their form of meditation, but God has a form of med meditation. I keep wanting to say medication. And, and I can just say yeah, it's good medicine to meditate on the Word of God, but we begin to declare that, Lord, You are. We meditate on it. You see, if what, what does that meditation do? It begins to create an image on the inside of your mind. What does saying words do? It begins to create an image, a picture in your mind. See, if you begin to say, if you say continually, I can't, 
or I'm no good, or I'm not worried, all those things, what are you doing? You're painting, you're drawing a picture and an image of what is less than and what not able. See, why did God come to Abra or to Joshua and tell him, here's what you need to say? For the same reason that he came to Jason this week and said, here's what I'm doing for you. This is how you are, a little bit fearful, a whole lot overwhelmed, not sure how you're going to do it. All these things, and, but, but what did God say? Be strong and courageous. Put the Word of God in your lips, on your lips. Put the meditations of the Word in your mind, in your thoughts. So, now I told him, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, I told him there's an exchange process that happens, that takes place in, uh, no, I told him that on the, at the uh, kids when I taught at the Hillsdale over here on Wednesday. Uh, they called me and reminded me I got to do that as well this last week. And so I, but we were teaching on Philippians 4, uh, 8 and 9. He says, think on these things. I said, you know what? That is just the way God told us to transform ourselves through the renewing of our mind out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you do? How do you do that? You exchange. See, what, what God is teaching Joshua to do is to exchange the negative thoughts that are going to come and, and, and in fact was teaching him to get out ahead of it and go, just go ahead and put the good thoughts in there. Just go, to, go ahead and put in uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's not withholding. In fact, he, it, it says, uh, I don't remember the Scripture, but he says, in Jesus, in Him, are all the promises of God, and they're yes and amen. They're available to us. They're given to us. Why would He, who, who, uh, why would he not freely give us all things? So when, when we understand that God's not a withholding God, He's one who's wanting to give, how powerful that is. So He tells him, He says, keep it on your lips. In other words, speak in it. Meditate on it. Keep your mind focused on it. And he says, day and night. So that you may be, what? Careful to do everything written in it. Then you will win once in a while. No, it says, then you'll be prosperous and successful. I'm pretty sure, that, and that's where I, I, I realize that, you know, God's Word is that, that instruction manual for us to be prosperous and successful. And again, not saying prosperous is we got to all have our own jet and all that stuff. It's, it's prosperous as in having everything that we have need of and, 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 and being able to enjoy life in the midst of that. Having the blessing of having stuff that, that, that presents itself in a, in a good way. There is, uh, he goes on, I, I love this. He continues on in verse 9, Haven't I commanded you? Haven't I commanded you? See, he didn't give him a choice. He said, this is command. This is not a suggestion, it's a command. Now, now, when God speaks to you, I'm sure God, this, this spoke loud enough to Jason. I can tell by the conviction of, of, and the excitement, th 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 this was a bold statement that God was speaking to him and commanding him. Now, sonny boy, now, Jason, he, he was like thumping him on the back of the head, kind of like, or, well, he's probably being a little nicer than that, encouraging him. But he's saying, hey, be strong. Be strong. I've commanded you. I'm commanding you. Be strong. He's not commanding him to do something he's not able to do. That's the wonderful thing. He says, be strong. 
and of good courage, have I commanded you, be strong and, of good, and, and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, here's the wonderful thing is, when we begin to, to allow the Word of God to operate in our life that way, it begins to change how we approach everything. When, when the flood, when the storm, when the things rage, it, it doesn't mean it's not there, but it, the ability for it to overwhelm us anymore changes. See, instead of the storm coming to drown us, it, it, it's there to push us. It's there to carry us, it, 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 to, to, uh, to strengthen us. It's there to draw us closer to God. And as it's there, then we get through that on the other side. And then we have even more ammunition the next time it comes. It's like, nope, nope, ain't going to get me because I'm standing on the, on the Word of God. I'm, I'm maintaining that. See, when we, when we receive a Word from God, when we believe what He says, faith arises in our heart. Then when we speak in line with that Word, we release our faith or we activate our faith. So, so the, the thing that, that makes all the difference is knowing who God is, being able to go to His Word and hear it as if it's speaking, something written 3,000 years ago, speaking to you today, and then you agreeing with that by, by speaking or confessing that Word. This, this word confess, I've, I've got a big old long definition out of this, but I'll just shorten up the part of it. But the, the biblical concept expressed by the words confess or confession have in common the idea of acknowledgement of the acknowledgement of something. In fact, the, the NIV uses acknowledgement in several places. This is a root idea of two verbs that lie behind the great majority of the occurrences of these words, uh, because this is a translation. But the confession and 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 confess in the English Bible, the Hebrew word. Uh, and the Greek, the Hebrew word yada, and the Greek word homologio, and I'm guessing on the pronunciation of those. But Engl the English version, such as the NIV, sometimes uses the verbs translated as acknowledge. From this common root emerge two distinct theolo theological senses: the acknowledging or confessing of faith in God and a or a particular doctrine, and the acknowledgement of the confessing of sins before God. There is, there is the understanding of these confession, and there's two sides to it. Now, I think in, in our minds, a lot of times what we see is the, the confession, and we, when we talk about confession, we're thinking about the negative side. We're thinking about confession or acknowledging or admitting to sin or to some failure. What do we say when, it, when, it, when we say that a, a, a criminal or somebody who's caught doing something, they have a confession. What are they doing? They're admitting wrong. Well, I want to talk to you today about three kinds of confession from the Bible. And the first, first one uh, we look at is in Romans 10, 10. And I'm setting us up with this foundation to understand something and the power of the way that we put all this into practice. Because we saw the success instructions, the, or the instructions for success that we, that we saw in, in Joshua. And, and that's throughout the Bible. That's just one example. But here in Romans 10, 10, the, the, the first thing that we do is, uh, or we think about where confession is concerned, is confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In verse 10, he says, For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, 
And it is with the mouth that you, that you profess, or some translations say confess, your faith and are saved. So uh, here we see that, that there is a confession of the, the Jesus as Lord. But we know that this comes from the, the sinner's prayer, what we call the sinner's prayer, and, and it is the admission of sin. So there is a, a need for us to admit that we're in the condition of needing a Savior. I think I said it last week that you know one of the problems that people have sometimes is they don't realize they're in need of a Savior. If you go, if you go on the street, and not so much maybe in Oklahoma, but even in Oklahoma, but especially in other parts of the world where, where, where people have been raised outside of church or without church or without faith, you, you begin to present the idea that you need to come to Christ. they got to understand first that they're in a sinful condition and hopeless without God. But there is a, a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord, but there's also the admission of the need. And, and you know, uh, as I begin to think about the second part of confession is that uh, a believer conf believers confessing sin. See, there's an idea or an understanding sometimes that, that people have to get their life right first before they come to God. In other words, you've got to confess all your sin to get saved. And that's not the case at all. There's really only one sin that needs to be, that needs to be confessed, and that is the rejection of Jesus as Lord. Because until we accept Jesus Christ, that's the one sin that's holding us out of, uh, out of heaven. I, I said that last week. I talked about, I think it was last week or the week before, where there was a separation. There's a separation if this is man and this is God, and there's a, there's a sin barrier, and there's got to be something removed that sin barrier. Well, the, the way that that's removed is through the acceptance of the gift, but it is also through the confession of the sin of, of our sinful nature the admission of the need for Jesus as a Savior. So there's not a whole list of, the, 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 of, of, of confession that needs to take place in order to be saved. You don't have to come to God and say, well, you know, God, I had this bad thought. You know, back there in 1966, Mark, I mean, I, I could go back to that with you, right? I could say, you know, way back there, you, you could go back that far, see? Some of, some of you, because I could say, hey, I was just born. What are you talking about? That's the year I was born. I'm, you know, I'm good. You know, but but some, I'm, I'm have, trying to have fun. Smile, Mark. <laughs> but but there, there's, you know, we could say, we could go back through the list of sins that we did. Well, listen, at salvation, I don't have to, we don't have to list all the sins we did. We simply have to repent of not believing in Christ and, and receiving Him as a, as a salvation, or receive the salvation that is the free gift, and confess Him as Lord. And that, that does that. That takes care of that. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All, all things have passed away. All things have become new. So, so we are then, that, that, that profession or confession of, of Jesus Christ as Lord and then, but then as a believer, there's the confession of sin. Now, what does that do? You see, there's something about when we become a child of God, we're in relationship. My daughter's sitting back there, and, and you know, she is going to be my daughter. She's always going to be my daughter. There's nothing that would, would stop her from being my daughter, that relationship. But if she is, is uh, she could do something to break fellowship. 
She could do something that would make it tr hard for us to, to have conversation, for us to talk. She could do something that would make, that would hinder, that make, make things awkward and uncomfortable if we were around one another. But she wouldn't quit being my daughter. I wouldn't quit loving her. Okay, so, but, but what, can, what can happen? That can be repaired, that can be restored, and that's what confession as a believer, as a, as a believer does when we confess our sin. I told you, I think I told you last week or the week before, that when we sin, when we fail, run to God, not from God. Not, God's not up there holding judgment and criticism. He's there with love and grace, and, and He's ready for us to repent of sin, to, to be, to, and, and He then receives us, and fellowship is restored. But, but we're going to see examples of uh, how the fellowship with God hinders both our prayer, it'll hinder our relationships, it begins to keep us from walking in the success that God desires for us. We don't receive all the blessing and the provision of life because we've, we've hindered the fellowship where God is concerned. We need to understand the difference between confession of sins as a believer and the confession of the one sin for salvation of the lost person. These, this is very important. This is, this is, there is only one sin needed dealt with at salvation. That's the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord. When we confess Him as Lord, we, we, He makes us new. Now, let's look at 1 John. Uh, let's look at 1 John chapter 1. Back in the back of your Bible, the, the 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the, the small, uh, little John, as, as we say. Not the gospel up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but the one in the back. 1st John chapter 1. Now, I referred to this verse 9, and, and, and this ought to be familiar to you. Um, now, here's the thing. If we read God's Word, it should speak to us. It ought to create faith or a confidence, the substance of things hoped for. You know, he says, we, we got it on the screen, and, and pull up in your Bible so that you see it and you can underline it and you can recognize it and remember it. Because he says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, or the King James says, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so that's the reestablishment for a believer. This is, this is for believers, those who've, who've confessed Jesus as Lord. When we sin, we come to God, we confess that sin. So how does confession activate our faith to receive the power of God? Where salvation is concerned, when we confess Jesus as Lord, we have it, that, is, that confession is coming from hearing the Word, the gospel, receiving it, and faith being built that Jesus is my, my hope, my salvation. He loves me. Then when I confess Him as Lord, I say, God, or, or we confess Him as Lord, Lord, you, you are my Lord. I've activated my faith to uh, produce in me the power that God desired when He gave that word. See, gave that word, made it available to us to receive salvation. I know this is simple to most of you. I know this is familiar to you. But we need to have that understanding so we can communicate this to other people. But he's, it gives us that right. But here's the same, here in the same way, as a believer, when we've sinned, what happens when we sin? See, when we sin as a, as a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We recognize it. We realize that. We, we understand, man, I blew it. That was bad. That was wrong. 
So, so what happens? We're awkward around God. We're awkward. People are awkward around church. You're awkward around other. Uh, awkward's kind of that word. I guess. A, I guess that's a, a good way. It kind of paints the image. You, you ever have those people that you know you're around and you're you're not real comfortable with them, and and you know, and you're trying to make conversation, and just everything's awkward. It's work. It's hard. Well, maybe that's because there hasn't been that relationship established and that fellowship established so that you're comfortable with one another. I remember doing something wrong, you know, something I wasn't supposed to do. I'll tell a story on my son, actually. I'll flip this around, tell us on my son. My, my son, who's just got, you know, married last year, and he's, uh, you know, just finishing up. He's 23, I guess, now. But when he was about three or four, we lived in a house in Jet. And he would sit there and uh, and watch his whatever show, Backyardigans or whatever show he was watching at the time, you know. And uh, he was he and he he'd gone in and he'd ask. <laughs> he was hungry, and and the kids they didn't get to just take the food in there, or whatever they you know they asked, and so we gave him a, a reasonable portion so that they did, weren't developing bad eating habits, stuff like that. So you know we said plus it kind of saved money. And, uh, but, but, uh, but anyway, we say, okay, you can have, you can have a snack, whatever snack. Well, he wanted a spoonful of peanut butter. And so, you know, we, he went in and he got his, and Sue said, you can have one. And so he went in and he got his one and he got done eating it. And, uh, and then he, then he, uh, he, he snuck back in when mom wasn't in there, when Sue wasn't in there and he got a, got down, got another deal, screwed the lid back on him. He escaped with, without mom knowing but his heart convicted him. And, and he was always a tender-hearted kid. And, and he, he came in a little bit later, and he, he's crying. <laughs> and he said, Mom, I'm sorry. I, I came in. I mean, she's thinking he did something horrible, you know. And, and she's like, what did you do? And, and he says, I, I just I, I got another spoonful of peanut butter. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, how do you discipline that? Now, as a parent, I think being uh, the, the hard responsibility is, is to maintain your stance and not just tell them it's okay. I mean, you want to at that point. He's remorseful. So, I mean, obviously, we're not going to jerk him up and whip his rear, but we're going to sternly let him know, okay, you do what we say. It's important that you follow the, the rules and you, and you, do, what you do what you say. And so, anyway, uh, so she got onto him or whatever. But see, where, where we're at, when we make a, when we fail, as a, as a believer, as somebody who's really and truly committed their life to Jesus Christ, man, we don't like it when we sin and we feel bad. But see, if we understand God's given us a promise, the way to get that off of us and the way to restore that fellowship is simply by coming to God. And if you cry a little bit, that's okay. But you don't have to cry all afternoon. Come confess your sin and allow the promise of the Word of God. When we confess our sin to God, we're also, we should also confess and release our faith by saying, Father, according to 1 John 1, 9, I confess my sin. Because if, and, and, and if I'm struggling with this, the ease, see, because depending on how you were raised and, and how it worked for you, did, did you ever, did you ever, uh, you know, you, you know, kids, and, and, and we kind of watched this. We kind of thought about this. You know, kids, you, 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 you have them fight and do something wrong, and you, you drag them in there and say, you apologize to one another. I'm sorry. Are you really? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not sorry. You're just saying the words. But see, we, we, whenever we, if, if we were like that 
sometimes, or, or we would we would want to we would want to earn the right to receive forgiveness. What do we think we have to do? We had to punish ourselves enough to where we, in our minds we felt released from it. But faith says, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm not going to allow this to hold me any longer. I'm going to take you at your word. Your word says I'm forgiven. If your word says I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. So if you wrestle with the ease of confession, now the difference is, are you, is your heart true and pure? I mean, God knows you can't fool Him, so you might as well be honest or not. And when you get ready to really confess that sin and release it to, unto God, you release it unto God, not only with the confession of, of your mouth towards God, but your confession of your faith of His promise that says, God, I'm going to take you at your word, so I'm going to rest my case, and I'm going to give it to you, the judge. And I'm going to say, Lord, I confess my sin, and I thank you, I thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now that's in the past. Now I can move forward. Now see, uh, we, we, uh, sometimes we have a hard time with it being that simple. Well, listen, uh, I, I don't want to continue. Uh, I'm not going to get all these notes and everything wrapped up and, and get to the third part of confession today anyway. But I want you to understand there is a power in the, in the recognition for the need of God's power. And confession of, of sin activates our faith for the power of God for forgiveness and cleansing. Just like it activated the power of God for salvation, it activates the power of God where forgiveness is concerned. Now, I mean, you, you can see that, right? But now as we build into this into next week we begin to also build the case and the understanding uh, that the third type of confession is the confession of faith in the Word of God. When we allow what God has promised us, God has said to us, to then put into our words, put into our mouths, and begin to say what God said about us. That was the challenge to, to Jason. I'm so thankful that, that it was his turn to be up here and that God used his, his life and spoke to him and he was able to present that because it gives us the perfect illustration of, of how God works in our lives. And many of you have had this happen. Sometimes we forget that we got to also take this into every area of our life. That, that God, here's my, here's my problem. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm broke. I'm sick. I'm whatever it is. I'm confused. And you go to God, and God says, I'm not the author of confusion, but I, I get, I, you have the mind of Christ. God, I, I don't want to do this. I've got a bad attitude. I'm having a hard time doing this. God, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is working on the inside of you. And we, and we begin to, to relate those things. We put them into works, and we begin to see God work. The confession of our mouth, the, the power of our words, affect so many things. You know, but here's the, here's, the, here's the key. It has to come from a basis of a promise from God, Word of God. Us just saying, you know, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong when you're, when you're weak doesn't have the same power as if you take Isaiah 50, verse I think it's 31, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And when that's, a, when that's a word spoken to you from God and then you begin to put it in to activate it by putting it into your, into your words, man, what a power. You say, man, I just don't know what to do. 
But God says when we lack wisdom, James chapter 1, He says when you lack wisdom, you can ask. I think it's verse 5, he, he gives it to you liberally and abradeth not. This is King James. He, he gives it to you generously, willingly, without reproach, without mocking you, you know, unlike some of your friends or siblings. You ask a dumb question, you say, well, that's a dumb question. Our, our saying was, if you ask a dumb question, you deserve a dumb answer. <laughs> but that's not the way God is. He says, I thank you for asking. There's no dumb questions with God. He's like the ultimate sales guy, you know, at the deal. But we go before God. We lack wisdom. We can ask. She so say, well, I don't know what to do in this situation. You say, well, you know what? God says if I lack wisdom, I can ask, and he'll give it to me. So, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm activating my words that I'll have the answer, that you'll give me the right insight. You'll lead me, guide me, and direct me by the Spirit of God in me. Begin to say those things. Activate your faith. Activate what the Word of God says through your words. Tie those two together and the power of God begins to be released in your life. Things begin to change. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. and Lord, I, I, I th I'm thankful for what you present in this church for those that are here and those that are watching and those that will watch later. And Father God, you present to us or provide for us an opportunity to come into your presence. And I'm always amazed and, and, and always just thrilled to see how in your presence that the Word fits each and every life. Lord, I don't even know all that you spoke into the hearts and lives of these that are sitting here or those that will hear it. But Father, I absolutely know that the anointing upon your Word helps us to, to receive that insight, that understanding that provides us the answers we need. And Father, just like Joshua or just like Jason, just like any other person sitting listening, that when we're at the end of us, there's always you. There you are, and there is your word. And so, Father, I pray that we who, who desire to, to, to seek you out, that, Lord, you'll absolutely show those that are, that are gifted in the word and those who are, are novice, those are just beginners, that, Father, we're the same, that we'll have your help. You'll guide us, direct us, and, and, and instruct us in how to take this instruction manual for success and apply it into our everyday life. So, Father, I pray today that we'd receive this word and be encouraged by it. And Father, if there's anybody with the sound of my voice who's not made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, I pray today they'd make that church turn and they'd practice, do what Romans 10 says, that with that belief in your heart that you'd confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you do need prayer for anything and you do accept Christ...